0: Welcome to Core de Femme, where her story is the story. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Keisha. You said it right. You did. I said it. Right. <laughs> Keisha Coulard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay, that's C. We're already off and running here. Okay, <laughs> Keisha Coulard. Um, I know her because she is married to a friend of mine. Dan Coulard. And if you know Dan, Emmett Photo, some of you are familiar with his work. Um, But I've been watching and listening and learning um, from different things that Keisha posts. She is a student midwife and a certified doula. And she has a heart for the birth process for Birth work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And I love it so much. And I learned something. I mean, I have three children. I've been, my first one was 21 years ago. So I've had these different experiences with birth, but I know that we could have more education. We could have more involvement with our daughters and learning and training each other so that we can be a little bit more informed in the choices that we make with pregnancy and birth. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. We're going to do a little icebreaker first. Um, This is our 80s pop quiz. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have you pick a card here. Here we go. Here's her question. What mode of transport inspires Steve Reich's 1988 work, Different... Ships, planes, trucks, or trains? Feel like it's trains, but I am not positive. It's trains. (laughs) Do you even know who Steve Reich is? I don't. Do you know what song that is? I don't. I don't either. Oh my gosh! Well, bravo because I didn't know that one. I feel
1: fairly well versed in eighties pop culture, but that was uh, okay. Here's one more
0: because (laughs) because this one's fun and interesting, (laughs) and you probably know this. Okay, the Culture Club were known for singing about what animal? A gecko. A Komodo dragon, a lizard, or a chameleon? A chameleon. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> Thank you for humoring <laughs> me with my 80s, 80s pop quiz. Yes, absolutely.
1: Anything that brings Boy George to the front of my brain <gasps> yes. is just all the good things. Yes. MTV, everything.
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you. A little snapshot of your story.
1: little snapshot.
0: Yeah. Okay, so...
1: My parents were very free-spirited individuals, so we moved around a lot. I've lived in probably 15 states and been to most others, just kind of all around. Wow. Yeah, so we moved a lot. So I got to experience a lot of different cultures and different little bits because even in the United States, there's it's so different. There's so much diversity outside of our little bubble here. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: So when you say free spirited, do you mean hippies and gypsies? Uh, <laughs> like, like my parents were, like the '70s movement of. Yes, you know, okay. so
1: I would. I would venture to say that. <laughs> okay. So it's not military. No. Okay. Because no, that's a different kind of yeah. No. Right. Okay. Um, stepped out as a tattoo artist and oh, cool. super into motorcycles and my mom is just gypsy herself. So okay. <laughs> yes. Got it. So we moved around quite a bit and we lived in the South for a while and that really kind of shaped a lot of my beliefs because I feel pretty strongly about right and wrong and I saw a lot of things living in the South, even in the late mid-2000s that really upset me and Mm. kind of stirred something within me to push towards social justice work. And I never thought it'd be birth, but that's where I've settled. Mm. And so I worked at my first protest when I was 15. and 15? What was it for? What were you protesting? (laughs) We had a very colorful shop teacher at my high school, and he liked to say very inappropriate things to girls. Oh. Yeah, and nobody held him accountable, so we walked out of his class. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. That is incredible. (laughs) At 15? At 15. Okay. So that was just kind of my natural progression, and then I've gone to women's marches and marches for science and... Just random protests here and there throughout the last, I guess, decade. Now yeah. that I'm old enough to say that. But when I had my daughter, I kind of really felt that fire where I had a great birth with her. And it was what I wanted, but not how I wanted to get there. And it pissed me off, to mm. be frank. Okay. Yeah. What about it pissed you off? Um. I went into it knowing exactly what I wanted, so I wanted a hospital birth because it was my first daughter, our first child, and I was nervous, and I was young, and I wanted no drugs, no modification, no anything, just kind of wanted to be there and then have someone come in and help me if I needed help, and... Instead, I had a very persistent nurse who anytime my partner at the time would leave, she'd come in and try to push me into an epidural. And at one point when he left the room to call his family, she came in and told me that because I was so anxious and nervous that if I did continue with labor, that my daughter would probably need to be resuscitated or die because I was so anxious.
0: Wow. Yeah. So... In the moment of giving birth and in labor processes, you needed to be fearful of something.
1: Yes. Clearly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I had to... That's heavy. That's like a heavy burden.
1: Yeah, it was a lot. And it was really frustrating to try to give birth to a child and step into motherhood and have to fight for very, what I felt was very basic things. I Mm -hmm. came in, I told them my expectations and what I wanted And it was disregarded and disrespected. Um, I have a history of sexual trauma. And so I had asked for no residence to limit the amount of people that were in the room. And instead, I gave birth fully naked in front of an entire room of men I'd never met before. Oh, my God. um, Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm really lucky. They didn't
0: ask for consent or just that was just like how it goes.
1: Our birth culture in America, natural birth is pretty rare in the hospital. It's 3%. -hmm. And so what they do is residents who've never seen a natural birth before, they basically come in right as the baby's born because they've never seen one and
0: they might not get to see one in a hospital. So that's the understanding. Like Mm -hmm. you are... A teaching moment for people your yes. your moment of birth which is extremely private and intimate and intuitive like that's that's terrifying to me like I can't yes. imagine
1: two months postpartum I attended my first doula training and I didn't attend a birth for about six months because I had some really good postpartum depression and Had to navigate that path and navigate being a mom and what that would look like with being on call. But Mm -hmm. I jumped in as soon as I could and haven't really stopped.
0: That's awesome. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like these experiences that are negative end up turning into something that fuels us in the work that we do in the future but you know so it's like that unfortunate like oh I'm so mad that that happened but if it didn't would I be here yeah doing the work that I'm doing and Mm -hmm. so it's (laughs) kind (laughs) of (laughs) like yeah
1: Yes, there are times where I'm like, "Why do I have to do this?" Yeah, <laughs> why it's... do I have to?
0: Why do I? I say that a lot. Why do I have to care so much? Mm-hmm. Because no one, some there are some things that no one cares about, and they're yeah. just like, "Well, whatever, it's whatever, right?" But then there's those that little thing, that yeah. little prick that's like, "I can't not care." Yeah, I can't not I care. agree. <laughs> okay, yeah. wow. Okay, so that led you into thinking this is something I want to pursue or? Mm -hmm. So I started doing
1: more reading and more research and I am very much a researcher. That's just how I'm compiled. Mm. And the more I looked into birth statistics and the more I looked into birth in other countries and the more I looked into the maternal morbidity and mortality rate in America, the more I just got frustrated and I didn't understand and I attended my first birth as a doula in a hospital and got even more frustrated because I was like what is the point of working with parents and educating them and doing all these things for them to go into a hospital and it be neglected I stepped into student midwifery pretty quickly after that because I it didn't feel like I was making enough difference where I could and also doulas are outstanding individuals they see a lot of things and hold a lot of hurt and hold a lot of space Mm -hmm. and I am not cut from that cloth I sometimes wish I was but I'm not and that's what pushed me to make the transition from being a doula to a student midwife is I couldn't necessarily sit by and hold someone's hand and watch as it happened I needed to do it differently
0: that's cool so that's like the experience the experience that you've had that has brought you to another place of desire mm-hmm. and interest and curiosity. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm really passionate about people just experiencing things. Like mm-hmm. don't don't just take someone's word for it or don't just listen to stories. Just experience things. Yeah. And that's what will lead you into your next thing. But that's oh, that's cool, and you know, I, m- with my 21 year old, um, I was a single mom, and I was on Medicaid, mm-hmm. and so they just kind of swept you up into this system, mm-hmm. and. I didn't know what I was. I didn't even know who I was, right? So I was like, okay, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. I was just kind of this rag doll. And they Mm -hmm. said, well, you're going to do this now and do this now. And okay, now it's time for an epidural. And I just kind of went with the flow and I don't remember much about it. And I wasn't in any kind of control, but that's kind of where I was in my life either. But with my second child, we went with a midwife and she had her own practice and she mm-hmm. had her own um, team, which was a doula and a student midwife. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because that aligned with us holistically. Yeah, We, we were more alternative health focused, mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, we know that the body's meant to do this, so we're just gonna do it. It was a, actually a horrific experience. <laughs> oh, no because we had a double shoulder dystocia oh my goodness the midwife was struggling and when you see your midwife the one who's leading everybody and she just sat back at one point and said lord jesus and we're like wait what did you just say the student midwife ended up stepping in and she had done a lot of births from Thailand mm-hmm. to the Philippines and so she was used to very large babies coming out of very small yeah, spaces sure. <laughs> so she came in and by this time adira's head was purple we were oh, thinking gosh. we might have to go to the hospital but the student midwife came in and she just put two fingers in and did a little switcheroo Mm -hmm. and out she came. Like it was like the Pied Piper. Like, (laughs) No, it was magical. But that's how cool it was. I mean, it wasn't cool, but it was cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But the doula that was there, we kind of laugh about it because she wasn't really in tune with us. It was, mm-hmm. we didn't meet beforehand, you know, oh, and have okay. this relationship built. It was yeah. like, we laugh because she used to just kind of get in my face and say, Relax, relax. <laughs> and I'm like, I would if I could. <laughs> the more you say that, the less I'm able to. Like, we didn't jive very well. Yeah. But with my third, um, we knew what we wanted. We mm-hmm. wanted midwifery again, but we went to a center of midwifery. So there was a mm-hmm. team of midwives, and, yeah. and it was the most beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. I was in control of my birth, but you know that means that you release control. Yeah. <laughs> and with the it. pain, I was saying yes instead of not, you know, oh, trying, so to, yeah. trying to harness it. I actually was just saying yes and letting the pain wash over me, and it just became a part of the process. And man, I I didn't realize that that was an opportunity of birth. Yeah, just magical. That is so beautiful.
1: That's such a redeeming experience too. Yeah. After one birth, that's kind of whatever, and then another birth that's hard mm-hmm. to have. That third one, that's just that's
0: beautiful. Yeah, I'm glad you got that and peaceful like yeah. there wasn't any trauma or drama and mm-hmm. it was just okay we're just here and whatever happens happens and yeah. you know so i wonder about that too whether it's the medical um, birth or if it's the natural way if expectations do you feel like that is something that yes. you that you see <laughs> that needs to be broken down or what do you think about that
1: yeah i think in america we really we put a lot of weight on birth and we also don't. So I feel like we make it this really big, heavy, scary thing, but then we don't put any value
0: mm. in
1: birth as a whole, if that makes sense. So I feel like we try to make it seem scary and fast and non-transformative. And I think that that's mm. really disempowering to families. I feel like in our culture, you. Even parenthood, it's just kind of glossed over as you go to the hospital, you have mm. a baby, it comes out, and then you go home and you stay home for a day or two, and then you get right back to work right. and everything. Right. And you're the same person, you do the same thing. It's just a
0: new addition. Yeah, right. Just to have new a car addition. seat in the back. Yeah. Right, yeah,
1: right. But the reality of it is in birth, you're making parents, you're making. Mm. The birthing person is going to then step into parenthood and that's important. It's important to honor that and to respect that and to help, help them flourish in that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is letting go of expectation of letting go of my perfect birth is this, this, and this, and then this will happen. My, right. whether it's in a hospital, whether it's at home, whether, wherever you are. Yeah. It's letting go of those expectations, letting go and understanding that at the end, you'll have a beautiful baby and it'll be great finding providers that want that
0: same goal Mm -hmm. while respecting and honoring you. Right. Yeah. I've had friends who, you know, have intentions. Here's my birth plan. Mm -hmm. And we're told you need to paste this on the door of your room. So yeah. that everyone who enters knows, hey, this is my birth plan. Mm-hmm. Please use this language. Please this is how I want things to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's a noble. That's a you know, at least owning and declaring here's my desire, you know, but at the same time knowing when to when to bend and when to yeah. not. What it's what a tricky time
1: too. It is. And I I love birth plans overall, I think they're so important because it gives you a chance beforehand to get educated about everything that you're going to possibly be offered or asked. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think it gives couples an opportunity to figure out if this happens, do we want this, this, and this? What is an epidural? What is an episiotomy? What is vitamin K? I think that part of it's important, Mm -hmm. but I think the other part that's important is knowing that a birth plan has to be flexible. It has to be moldable and changeable. And the moms that seem to have the best birth experience are the ones that are able to just say, this is what would be awesome, but I am going to just go with the flow and whatever happens, I will be happy.
0: I feel like I was kind of that stereotypical, you know, because Michael and I have two kids together. Mm-hmm. And when we got married, you know, he's a chiropractor and I was getting healthy yeah. <laughs> drinking rice milk and tofu <laughs> for the first time in my life i went from like taco bell to tofu mm-hmm. overnight and when we got together it was just like oh now i can see how the body works and functions and he i mean he still to this day he tracks my periods and all of that <laughs> i still don't understand it but Our first child together, we were just so aggressively gung-ho about natural birth. Mm -hmm. But it was from a place of arrogance, I believe, of like, well, of course the body's made for this, so it's just going to do it, and we're Mm -hmm. just going to do it. So we set up our whole room and we had music and a ball and all the stuff and a tub. And it just didn't go down like that. But yeah. what didn't happen was any type of like training and classes and mm. breathing exercises, it was almost like, well, the body's just going to do what it's going to do. And it we call it the exorcism because that's literally like the pain <laughs> oh, was so intense. I was like scratching myself to death, whatever. But with Soren our second child mm-hmm. going through the midwifery center, we actually took a class yeah. on, it was called birthing from within. Mm-hmm. And it was all about connecting with your inner strength. Yeah. And really, I think the, the key for that was realizing that it's not just your baby coming forth. It's you and your Baby, working together Mm -hmm. with the midwife like and with you know spirit or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's having that connection that it's life and it's you and it's your baby and it's your team but it's all everyone together and that was kind of like okay we're in this together it's not just me alone with this pain that's making me rip my hair out like this (laughs) you know so how much do you think Are people getting educated? Is it just kind of a, if you know, you know, if you have an interest, you do. Do Is it being um, encouraged enough? Uh, I think in
1: some circles it is. I sometimes feel like I'm in a bubble lately because Mm. with COVID, I pretty much stay either at work or at home. Yeah. And our birth center requires first time moms or moms who haven't had, um, Babies in a long time to take a childbirth class that's really in depth and really great. And Jennifer Bookamer is the teacher and she is a genius and mm. she's been doing it a long time. Her classes over the last few months have become completely overrun because there's so many people coming out of hospital and there's not really a lot of options. Mm. It seems like there is. But when it actually comes down to who's holding classes regularly, who's holding classes that people want to attend because they're truly informative, the numbers kind of start to come down a little bit. And okay. obviously the classes of the hospital are more so how to be a good patient. So they have mm. classes regularly, but they're teaching you how to be compliant and easy to mold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is your room. This is where the anesthesiologist is going to give you your epidural. Right. This is it. But to truly get down to the nitty gritty, it takes a few weeks and a few hours and it's a lot, but I do think it's so crucial and so important because even if you were to have a beautiful out of hospital birth and you had to transfer into the hospital, you still need to know all of that. You still need to know. And... You and baby do a ton of work. Mm -hmm. The baby alone has to go through, it's called 13 cardinal movements as Mm -hmm. they descend through the birth canal. So that's 13 things your baby is doing as you're trying to push them out. And that's beautiful and that's amazing. But you're both working so hard that it's helpful to know that ahead of time instead of just going into it and saying, well, I've got my peanut ball. We're going to be (laughs) great. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So thing. I know <laughs> I know that like one of the standard gifts is what to expect when you're expecting and it's just your mm-hmm. is it like a day or a week by week or something yes. but that was like the bible back then like yes. 10 15 years ago is it still uh, have we
1: advanced is there more <laughs> I feel like it's still a go-to for a lot of people because it's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. But there's so many great books out there now. Um, Birthing Without Fear mm. by... Um, I can only think of his first name because it's Dick. <laughs> 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 so, it's Birthing mem- Without Fear. It's or memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Birth Without Fear by January Harsh, or um, Inamia Gaskin's oh, Guide Ina- to Childbirth yes. is a classic. Yes. So there's just, and those are just kind of a drop in the bucket, but they're all great ones, yeah. and
0: those would probably be better books for moment. Someone had given me um, The Thinking Woman's Guide to yes. a Better Birth, and I was, like, a little offended at first, <laughs> like, a thinking woman? What do you mean? <laughs> like, what?
1: But yes. yeah, it
0: was all about understanding things. And I realized that I didn't understand yeah. any of, and I was okay not understanding it. Isn't that interesting? Like it's only the most profound things a woman will go through in her life. Yeah, And there's not enough preparation and education to make it the experience that it could be. Mm-hmm. And not that births are it was always a bad birth and you know I I say that ours was an exorcism because (laughs) it was but I still know that that was my birth story and it was incredible and amazing still but where does it start where do you think it starts
1: I think it really starts with re-educating our children and our women of birthing age and even women beyond birthing age, just reframing birth in general and reframing it. Yeah. yeah, And making it something that's not horrifying. And I feel like a lot of women, because 92 ish percent of births happen in a hospital. So I, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's pretty safe to speak from that point, but a lot of them go in not knowing what to do. They make decisions that they don't fully understand the repercussions of, like getting an epidural. So in our county, 73% of women get an epidural, which is great if they want them or if they need them, but I don't think that they're getting informed consent on a Mm. lot of things on what could go wrong. So when their blood pressure goes down and then baby's heart rate goes down and then they end up in a C-section, it becomes this thing of my provider saved my life. My doctor saved my baby's life. But it's really a chain of events that I think needs to be more educated on and more discussed. And so the overall would be reframing the idea of birth. And then the small would be for our teenage girls growing up or younger women. Or even if we're getting to the point of pregnancy, just doing as much education as possible. So reading all the books and... We live in a time where we're so lucky with blogs and podcasts yeah. and Instagrams. and There's information everywhere. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of discern what's going to be of value. Yeah.
0: There's and lots. it's not in the schools, right? Correct. This isn't something that our our young daughters are getting in school. Yeah. At not all. At all. Mm-hmm. So as mothers, it's definitely up to us to really establish that connection but Mm -hmm. if we don't even have because it wasn't for us either so it's almost like if we really value and take seriously this act of mothering then we have to prepare ourselves Mm -hmm. and learn and educate ourselves so that we have something to offer that's true and real and Something that can be theirs. Yeah. Also, I, agree.
1: I feel like we're slowly getting towards that point. Mm-hmm. So, midwives really started attending births again around 1960s, mid to late 60s. It used to only be midwives attending births, and then in the mid 1800s, the OBs kind of came around and started mm. asserting themselves, pushing midwives out. They brought in things like twilight sleep. So they used to knock women completely unconscious and deliver their babies. What? Yeah. And then they slowly moved away from that. after. <laughs> that is frightening. Yeah, that's after frightening. a long time. But the medical field for a long time has really made the woman's body more into a computer. So if you mm. input these things, this thing comes out. And that's just women's health in general. Right. And I feel like women overall are overlooked and deal with things that they shouldn't have to deal with because they're not listened to in the medical field. And I think in birth specifically, that's ever present, but I do feel like with COVID has kind of been great to midwives because it's really brought back midwifery, Mm -hmm. whether it's midwives in hospitals having a huge surge or um, out of hospital we have so many people calling that we can't take them all Mm. so I feel like it's really doing a wonderful thing bringing back birth and it's a great opportunity that we have right now to really get in and educate and try to reframe birth because it's more of a revolutionary thing to really get in there and change people's perspective on birth and motherhood and parenthood even yeah.
0: yeah that's kind of the work that then this next generation is mm-hmm. already embarking on yeah. is the stopping in the midst of everything that we've mcdonaldized <laughs> and they're saying wait what the f- what <laughs> yeah. wait what why are we doing this why did you say that Why is this this way? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the emperor's new clothes where the world has just been like traveling down in its glory. And this generation is just like, hold up. Mm-hmm. stop this isn't okay and I do remember um maybe about 10 years ago there was that um documentary the the business of being born yeah or Ricky the business Lake. Of Ber- Ricky yeah. Lake mm-hmm. yes that was a huge eye-opener of oh my gosh you really are just in a system someone's ticking your box like that's yeah. it was maddening but also like okay I see how that's gone unchecked too and
1: mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, not much has really changed. It's Mm -hmm. still the C-section rate in America has been 30% for the last. And in some places, it's even higher. In Kootenai County, our rates are about 16%, which is pretty great considering, but it's still kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that the more this next generation, they're so socially driven, Mm Hmm. Um. I think that that is huge because one person they know has a birth that's empowering, and they put it on social media, and then a hundred people see it. Right. And I think that that's really changing a lot, a lot faster than a documentary that a few people saw.
0: So, can you share something meaningful? Whether it was something funny or bizarre, or Mm -hmm. what? What kind of experiences have you had? that have really helped shape and drive your interest. I've gotten really lucky over the last
1: two years and I've gotten to attend a significant amount of births. Mm-hmm. So I'm I've attended over a hundred as a birth worker in the last wow. two years. A
0: hundred. Okay. It's been very busy. <laughs> a hundred and two years. Oh, that's oh, and most almost of them one a last week. Year. That's almost <laughs> one a week. Yeah, and
1: most of them were last year. I went to sixty eight but 68 births last year.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's wild.
1: It was a lot. So I've seen not everything at all. Not even close, but I've seen a lot. But I have gotten a lot of chances to work with families families with loss. Mm. And that's been a really eye-opening thing because it's not something that I've necessarily dealt with myself, but I've seen with my mother and my grandmother and my friends to truly walk the walk of a midwife is to walk all the parts Mm. of reproduction. So that sometimes means losses. That means miscarriages. That means mothers going through with pregnancies, knowing that their baby isn't going to be compatible with life, seeing how that plays out. And I think the most magnificent things I've seen are probably moms who have babies after loss because Mm. they are so strong to... Just keep going and keep fighting and moving forward with that. I got to go to a birth with a mom who had a loss at 34 weeks. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's technically in the zone that you could Mm -hmm. safely give birth. And walking through her pregnancy
1: with her with just her constant fear that it was going to happen again because her baby had passed and then she Mm. had to go through labor and delivery and then being able to hold her hand as she had her baby and just the glory of that. And it wasn't a hospital and everyone in the room cried, the nurses, the doctor, and it was just so beautiful. And it was such a great reminder that, Mm -hmm. because like I said, I get stuck in a bubble of out of hospital births, So births and homes and freestanding birth center where I forget sometimes that birth can be beautiful and empowering in a hospital and women are strong no matter where they are. Right. Right. And it was a beautiful birth. I'm still so grateful wow. I got to be there. And I've also seen some good amount of bizarre things <laughs> <laughs> because the human body is
0: miraculous. Totally is. <laughs> okay. Now you have okay. to share something. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so,
1: there's a placenta. Yeah. Yes. With the baby. And that is what feeds baby. And it sits in mom's uterus and hangs out in there and it comes out after baby, which some women don't realize. I feel like
0: Yeah. And it's like, wait again, wait.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> More pushing after the pushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and recently I got to see one that had a cyst in it. And we didn't know, and it wasn't caught by ultrasound, and it was benign and everything was fine. But it looked kind of like a kumquat almost just stuck on the placenta. And it was fluid filled and weird and whoa, poked a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! So that's a fun one. That is interesting. Wow. I've seen some extra digits this year.
0: really see and that's fascinating like we just there's so much more that we just don't know Mm -hmm. you know it's there's so much more mystery to understand about humanity that I think we need to check ourselves sometimes you Mm -hmm. know when we really come to these places of arrival of thinking well this is how it has to be or should be Mm -hmm. even how it should be isn't that's still an expectation of of yeah. some understanding we have that we think is yeah kind of deconstructing that whole. What has birth work taught you about humanity, and how has how has that changed you? Like, how do you feel like you relate to people now, or or women? And I, um, feel like birth
1: work has knocked me down a few pegs <laughs> all mm-hmm. the time. Like um, humility, humility. Like yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's. An ever-growing, ever-learning thing because every birth is different. You could go to a thousand births and there's still going to be something sometime that you're just like, what the heck is happening? Like, what is going on here? It's really given me a deep understanding that outside of politics or religious beliefs or these strong things that we hold on to and identify with that sometimes people are just people. And at the Mm. end of the day, it's just what we put on and what we try to push forward. So that way we don't always have to be vulnerable with other people, but at our most Mm. vulnerable, we're just humans trying to have babies and live our lives and... That was something that was always really hard for me to understand because I was always very on the good and bad people binary. Yeah. And on the binary of strong religious beliefs or not strong religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that's been a huge eye-opener for me, working with all different types of people from strong Mennonite communities to everyday tattooed couples like myself. And of everywhere in between it's just at the end of the day people are just people and women as varied and different as we come we're, we're just women trying to do our best it sounds so cheesy though but
0: it's true it's so true i yeah. mean that's the i think what they say the more that you know the more you realize how much you don't know yeah and then that kind of puts us back into a position of humility of like okay Tell me more. Yeah, like explain to me things. Like let's learn. Yeah, more whatever. about ourselves through each other. Mm-hmm. Is there a community of? Well, you're in a community, mm-hmm. right? What yeah. is your group called?
1: Um, I work at Day Spring Midwifery. Okay, Day Spring. Yeah, and we're in Hayden, and then um, we work pretty closely with some of the other midwifery groups in the area. So another one is Hazel Tree Midwifery. Yeah. And They just built a beautiful birth house. Um, And then my preceptor, so the midwife who's teaching me, she works closely with a midwife in Sandpoint. Her name is Denise Midstope. And then there's kind of midwives all in between. And we meet for peer reviews and quarterly if we can. And kind of go over, unload, and unpack everything that's happened that quarter. and. In this community, locally, I know lots of doulas and birth photographers that are amazing. I feel like I mostly work with Jennifer Bookemer, Yeah. Who's great. Or yeah. um, Hannah Lersh are probably the two I know the best because it's been a crazy year. <laughs> Is that
0: a new thing too? Like having someone come as a photo- birth photographer, because I definitely don't remember that yeah. being something that was like, "Yes, please come in <laughs> and and take these photos." Of- I mean, I have a video mm-hmm. <laughs> that somebody yeah. took, and I can't stand to watch it because it's, <laughs> it's a little bit, it's a little bit rattling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never even considered that back then of having someone yeah. professionally capture moments.
1: I feel like it's definitely growing because a lot of people have their birth video that's on a VHS somewhere yeah. <laughs> or tucked away. I know my mom has it. Yeah. <laughs> and some people have always had like disposable cameras, just something to commiserate that moment. Mm-hmm. But birth photography is definitely exploding. Um, I think part of that's social media mm-hmm. because it's a lot more common to post birth photos on Instagram or Facebook and I love it. I'm here for
0: it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how we're getting to see another side of the beauty of it mm-hmm. is when that when those moments are captured in someone's home with their loved ones around them in yeah. those intimate moments. I mean, even one I saw a couple weeks ago some the kids were in the tub like it was yes. all a family thing and how special that is. Yeah,
1: I love those births.
0: (laughs) And that's (laughs) why seeing them is important, to know what's possible.
1: And it makes it easier to normalize it. Yeah. And my favorite birth photographers are the ones who are willing to photograph everything, whether it all gets shared or not. The ones that will photograph transports from home to hospital, or will go in for C-sections, or just even those parts, even normalizing the parts that aren't easy or palatable yeah, is still great. Those are still stories that are sometimes even higher mind changing because mm-hmm. it shows you that it's even at its hardest birth is not horrifying. It's not scary. It can be beautiful and not traumatic. And even C-sections can be so redeeming and beautiful.
0: I think that's what is so cool about it is it's so diverse. Mm -hmm. It can look in so so many different ways. The more that we see these unique ways women are giving birth, (laughs) the more you realize that it can be yours and it can be something that's special and creative in the ways that you want it to be yeah. and how it doesn't have to follow anybody's, well, it has to follow some kind of, <laughs> kind of right? right? <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: But I mean, yeah. I know. And I think too, it kind of puts value back into women's bodies and women's health. Yes. And I am all about that.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the empowerment is yeah. when you know this is what my body's doing right now. And this mm-hmm. is what is happening with th- this life inside of me. Like that's the empowerment to make yeah. decisions based on what you know and not just like, oh, great. It's the size of a grape. <laughs> and that's so cute. And like, yeah. that is cute too. But there's so much more to know and to learn and mm-hmm. to be a host who is responsible and knows who its guest is. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Yes. So what do you see yourself doing in this field in the next seven years? Like, What do you see for yourself now that you have been a doula mm-hmm. and now you're in student midwifery? Yes. Um, what What do you see for yourself?
1: Um, well, the easy short term of it is I hope to finish up my training and licensure by probably end of this year, very early next year. Fantastic. So that will be all of the good things. <laughs> I want to find ways to really harness in my love for social justice and my mm-hmm. love for birth work and really instill that in this community because I feel like we have such great midwives here, but I f- do still feel like there's more push. There's more kind of growth that can happen here in mm-hmm. that community. And I really feel like this area just needs more birth workers in general. We are forever desperate for student midwives and doulas and especially with the population growing, we just we just need more and I yeah. want to facilitate that however I can. Mm. And once I get to a place of being able to teach, I want to teach and help student midwives who are usually looked over because that is a thing. <laughs> I got very lucky with my preceptorship, but I may have also covered my tattoos for the first three
0: weeks. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And And so is that kind of like an apprenticeship then that you have to train with one person or is it with several different people?
1: Um, you would train, so you can train with one person, but you need skill sign off from two. So if you are just training under one midwife, you would go find another midwife to just train, sign off Mm. on some of your skills. Um, I started off studying with an independent midwife, and now I was with three midwives, and now it's two, but it's going to become three again. (laughs) But just the more people you can study under, the better, because everybody knows
0: different things. Right. So so. you get to see, okay, these are some qualities that I definitely want to incorporate into the way that I do Mm -hmm. my work. But then you also get to see, okay, I I would do it differently.
1: Yeah. And that's with anything. That's important. Yeah. Yes. The midwife who owns Day Spring, she's been a midwife in this community for 33 years. Mm. And she's seen all the things and she's fought all the good fights with our local hospital. And I cannot speak highly enough of how she has really bridged that communication gap between out-of-hospital midwives and our hospital here to the point where we can call a doctor if we need to and ask a question where that was never an option 10 years
0: ago. Is Idaho not a state where you can cross over, like where no. midwives are welcome in the birth room? Like... CNMs
1: can be in the hospital. They have the ability to be in the hospital. Okay. It's really um, not cost efficient to be an out of hospital CNM in the state of Idaho because of the malpractice you have to carry. So it does make it really difficult. Okay. Um, And I'm going after what's called a CPM, so a certified professional midwife and a licensed midwife. It's a little bit different training. It's all out of hospital training. And there used to be a lot of combative behavior between doctors and midwives, and it's really gotten better. And I think that it's from the work of the midwives before me because they Mm. really took a lot of crap (laughs) and really swallowed a lot of crow to be able to to be at the point now where I get to come in and I can expect to go be a doula with my client in the hospital and be Mm. respected and not be treated like crap. And my client gets good care and I'm just eternally grateful
0: for them. Because that's the goal. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I feel like we're, we're moving away from that binary of yeah. holistic health or medical system. Mm-hmm. And can't it be both? Can't we go hand in hand? Can't there be some things that we have to do together? Yeah. So why, why can't we just find the most blendable <laughs> fusion, <laughs> you yes. know, that respect each other's humanity mm-hmm. and also respect what the, the patient and the person who it's their life. Like yeah. can't we all work together for that person, not from our own agendas? Like that's, that's yeah. the goal, right? Right. Especially with the birth. <laughs>
1: yes. You shouldn't. I will always, you should not have to fight while you're in birth. Like, when you're in the laboring room, you should not have to fight for anything. Yeah. That's
0: just the very basis of humanity. So is there, um, are there regular classes here in town? Is there um, a hub where women can find different things happening for training and for learning? And
1: Yeah, so it's been a little complex with COVID yeah. because different things are different. Um, as far as childbirth classes, um, Jennifer Bookmer teaches the Bradley Method. Hmm. There's um, a couple up-and-coming birth workers who are starting to teach, um, no birthing classes oh, yeah. okay. um, and those are fun. As far as getting trained as a birth worker, it is a little more complicated <laughs> because of different restrictions, but there's a lot of really good online options right now. Mm-hmm. And then you do certifying births outside. And so those are birthing with, from within has yeah. a really great doula training, um, pro doula. And then anyone wanted to get into student midwifery just reaching out to your local midwives because they would love to meet you (laughs) because so at day spring or Mm hazel
0: hazel tree hazel tree yeah anyone could call and say hey i need to know more yeah i'm thinking this is something that i want to get into
1: absolutely we have a amazing community of midwives here that are so open and generous and
0: yeah as long as like the there's access you know I think if we're having to pine for access that's just another layer of exhaustion that Mm -hmm. makes it more difficult for us to even just move forward yeah is there anything hap is there anything happening throughout the year that it's birth workers and midwifery clinics and different, um, birth photographers. Like, is Mm -hmm. there like some kind of a gathering that happens where everyone has things to share or like, you know, they have like a wellness expo kind of a thing. Like, (laughs) is there anything like that here in town or locally where it's all of you wonderful people (laughs) together where a woman who's thinking or or planning a pregnancy Mm -hmm. or mid-pregnancy can go to see what's what's available here in this town
1: um there's a really great doula she goes um her business is homestead mama and she puts on a birth fair every year she had to cancel last year but i believe she's still going forward this year and um, it's great. Everybody gets together, puts up booths. It's pretty similar to the wellness fair. Okay. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Lots of
0: birth stuff. Yeah. I'll find out. I want to find out if there is one this year or yes. when the next one is. And we'll make sure we have something posted here about it. Because yeah. we want to be <laughs> helping people get the access yes. points to these kind of information.
1: Yeah. And I definitely think that there could be more um, in a lot of cities, they do regular meet the doulas, yeah. and it's kind of like um, speed dating for doulas. Yeah. And I wish we had more of that in our community, but I'm hoping it's
0: coming. It is coming. Yeah. I I just know that when I decided, okay, I need to in- interview Keisha, I need to talk with her about birth and all of this <laughs> stuff, because I feel like... We have to keep talking about this kind yes. of stuff, so our <laughs> younger women are hearing it and knowing yes. that there's women in this community that are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since then, I had one gal come in who is a lactation consultant, and she was looking at a space here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was talking about starting a podcast called "Baby in the Boob" yes. and like. So I feel like this energy of like birth is like. Yeah. Well, now now I'm frightened like that's <laughs> I need to make sure that that's not some kind of energy that I'm giving out <laughs> cuz that's not happening these days anymore. Yes. But I love that that is something that it's still it's still happening. It's yeah. it's coming to the surface. I feel like we need to have some kind of a rally about that and <laughs> yes. talk about it and I agree. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for joining me. This Thank is you for so having great. Me. I mean, just getting to know you even more here and talking about birth, which is incredible yeah. and and for sharing with everyone, like we have to just keep talking about this. So. too.
1: Thank you for giving me a soapbox to yeah. go on about birth because I could go on for days.
0: <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Do you um, open yourself up to any invitations for talking about the work that you do? Yeah, or, or trainings or a little... Yeah, I'm always up for
1: any up-and-coming birth workers to ask questions and how to get in or even... Um, I think it's really important as a birth worker to be a resource center as yeah, a human. For sure. And that's a passion of mine is to just know where to steer people if I can. Yes. So, so how can people contact you? Um, the easiest way is probably Instagram because I feel like that's really the only social platform I use. Yes. <laughs> and so my Instagram as is as told by Keisha. So,
0: yeah. Okay. I'll make sure that's in our little description box of this episode for people to find you. And I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful that you do the work you do, that we have this here in this Mm -hmm. town, in this day and age, like it's still going strong. Mm -hmm. And
1: And thank you for building this amazing space. (laughs) It's so beautiful because we need places for women to excel and feel
0: confident. And that's beautiful. So thank you. Absolutely. So we're gonna keep talking about having an evening of dialogue about all things birth. And yeah, Yeah. we'll have to keep this conversation going. Okay. Thanks, Aisha. Thank you. You are listening to Core to Femme, a podcast for the Femme Perspective in North Idaho. This is Melinda. How are you? I just wanted to say what immense gratitude I hold for Keisha and the work that she's doing for Birthing Mamas, for our community, for women. It's a treasure to gain insight into this meaningful and important work from women whose lives are so invested into helping, serving, and assisting women in reproduction. I know that every time I meet and talk with a doula, a midwife, lactation consultant, anyone who shares in the great work of birth, it is an honor. And it reminds me of how valuable we are to one another. If you want to reach out to Keisha, her information is listed in the description. And if you have a friend, a partner, or a loved one who is a birth worker, buy them a beer or a martini. Be someone they can find respite in because they carry a lot and they also carry infinite wisdom. And sometimes that is exhausting. So love on them just a little bit more. Thank you so much for listening. Femmes, friends of femmes. Until next time, this is Melinda with Corda Femme, where we are just going to keep talking about it. Bye-bye.